This is Justin Daniel Edwards. I'm saying for no good music. Reading some Frank Stanford. Okay. A singing nine. So are, are you in Nashville? The chat. I'm gonna... I am. Yes. I'm in, I'm in Nashville. Let me do a little intro for you first. We have a special guest with us today. He's poolside <laughs> and he's a singer songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> Just released his newest album, Violencia. Violencia. Let's welcome to No Good Music, Mr. Jesse Daniel Edwards. <laughs> so there might be a slight delay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe we're re- referencing my uh, lack of perception to uh, describe myself there and with a slight delay. <laughs> I thought I'd yeah. the parties. <laughs> You're originally from California. and uh, That's right. And what I find interesting is... We... Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. Sorry, I'm dancing around said delay. But yeah, I grew up in a very small town in the mountains of Southern California. Now, what I found interesting is you, you grew up with no TV, internet, but did you have music in your life? Well, it was about all we, you know. We had my siblings and I, you know, we had a lot of chores, and that occupied a fair amount of our time. And then we had books. That's sort of why I learned to love to read, to divert myself and transport myself from my modest surroundings. And then we had some instruments laying around from members, older family members, some of them in various states of disrepair. And uh, we sort of evoked the sound out of them. We learned to sing harmony together, and riding with just a vehicle by which we could sort of learn to utilize these instruments because it was in the days before YouTube and the internet. So we, if you want to learn something, you just had to sort of wrestle with it until it gave up or you. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we were looking yeah. at, we were looking at a, you know, you look at a guitar and it's just a chunk of wood with these metal strings and you just hold it and you have no idea how to make it spinning. And, uh, you know, at the risk of constantly and perpetually reinventing the wheel, you stick with it long enough, eventually things start to replace. And it's one of those things that back then it couldn't be rushed. You know, I don't, I think, you know, with, with the state and the pace of life speeding up so much in these modern times, you know, there's a lot of corners to get inside. I don't think I ever would have negotiated my own unique style in anything if mm-hmm. I hadn't 
some back-breaking, grinding, tedious work of reinventing the wheel. You know, I didn't invent finger plucking, but I had to kind of, had to kind of figure out in this little tiny plucking of a beat bad or, or phrasing every hour pulling off a certain of the piano. And somewhere therein, you know, personal style can be born because we've gone through it in real time. And I think now, apart with, you know, people looking at so many aspects of life and disposing or, or at least sleeping, you know, including group of attention span, which is why I made this a very short record. <laughs> due to my attention span, or, or rather the, the attention span of my budget, which was, which was not existed. But, you know, back then when I was doing music with my students, you know, you kind of had to just, you had to put in the legwork. And I'm glad we did, even though, even though it was frustrating at times, and maybe, but maybe that frustration was a good ingredient. I don't know if people are frustrated enough anymore. But yeah, that was, that was South abusing them. That was what we did. That's all we had. So, which was your first instrument to attack to wrestle with? Well, my first four was milking the goats, and I bring that up. <laughs> you know, speaking of real time, you can never take a you can never take a day off. I mean, it could be, you know, not that I don't really celebrate Christmas, but um, you know, Christmas Day, you'd be up at five a.m. milking these goats, and if it was snowing, you know, the only warmth were those. Those milk bags, you know, those udders, you know, you'd be on for dear life in the frostbite, you know, and just massaging those udders and taking your time with it, you know, really coaxing out that milk out, you know, and uh, maybe taking you know, sip, sip from the bucket, you know, fresh milk right <laughs> off the goat. Yeah. But basically, that's how the day started. And you couldn't get some music until all that stuff was done. So the window, the windows for recreations, that was before school. Then there was school, which was just arduous. I mean, it is for anybody. I mean, you're a young person, your soul and spirit are just completely free, and yet you're meant to just sort of be inferred in these sort of mental work camps. You know, most of your, most of uh, the career of your youth, you're never allowed to think or feel or change anything beyond what's placed before you, and you're just given to you in four textbook. So we go through that, of course, and they had one bus for our little route, so it would go where we were sandwiched between three native reservations. So mm-hmm. the bus would do our loop first because we were at the very end. And then it would drop us off at school at uh, 7 a.m. and school would start till 8. And it would go out and pick everybody else up. We had just, uh, the way time was broken up for us was, was kind of strange. But there was an hour in the morning just sitting at school doing nothing, hustling through milking goats and wherever other chores needed to be done. Then you get home, there was afternoon floors, there was homework, whatever that was, basically staring with a blank page for a couple hours until, you know, you could sort of finally tap down. And then there was dinner, you know, family dinner was kind of a ritual in our, in our household and it required whether you like it or not. You know, your butt better be in like, well, like a church pew, you know, we had a big church pew. It was like it fit everybody. And uh, there was this whole rustic church pew, so a lot of splendors and you learned very early, never to, never to lose. So then, after that, after clearing up and after putting all, you know, if there's any food away, after taking the trash down, after, you know, bedding down the animals and feeding them one time, then you got to, then you got to jump or whatnot, well, got about an hour to sit at the piano or pick up a guitar. The first, the first instrument I really rushed with, I think, was probably the oboe. Mm-hmm. It was wow. the first one that was kind of tough. <laughs> the piano, the piano was always pretty easy because I, 
I realized from a young age, I oh, we got some cookies here. Thank she you. Wants to, she's uh, going to serve you there. Yeah. Side, uh, cookies. <laughs> we can serve cookies. It's, it's better than being served jury duty. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's the oboe stuff because it's just a, it's just a nasty instrument. I mean, it's, I'm not even sure it's really meant to be played. And even when you get the sound good, it sounds, it has a very amber that is, I don't know, it kind of stands out, you know, for better or for worse. The piano, when I was young, you know, I was maybe four or five. And I realized that the piano is just a construct or you know, when, and so basically my mind took over. You know, I didn't ever really have to think about it because my mind was always able to compose in the background and able to craft the background. I mean, there's a certain level of dexterity and coordination, but it, I mean anybody can play the piano. It's like anybody can kind of play the drums. I mean, not well, but you just start hitting it and all of a sudden there it is. With yeah. the guitar, if you start hitting it, who knows what's gonna happen? It could it could it could hit that. You know? <laughs> but uh the oboe was oboe was a tough one, but I was young enough where you know, when you're young it's easy to, to pick to pick things up and to learn. So I, I just I never really considered how difficult it was until later. I just started playing it and wrestled with it. I like the challenge. And then I didn't I wouldn't get to the guitar until some years after that. But by then I was used to wrestling with these instruments. I knew I knew that kind of you know, when, when you approached a new instrument, whether it was bagpipes or whether it was certainly the guitar, you kind of knew, all right, we're going to circle around each other for a little while. We're going to do a little more play, and sort of peripherally just sort of size each other up. You know, it's going to be a, mm -hmm. you know, a few sort of furtive little glances and touches, you know, trying to, trying to see how friendly it's going to be, you know. And uh, you're trying to figure out how to touch it with sort of reverence, but also a sort of confidence, you know. And uh, it's trying to find that inflection point of, of of humility and arrogance, you know, approaching that, you know, thinking because you're always you're always enamored of the possibility, you know, you always think if I if I can figure this out even just a little bit, everything that's been here and here is going to tend to wait out, mm -hmm. and other people are going to get to sort of pop on that rod, and we're going to be able to communicate for a second. Because otherwise, we even think it's impossible. It's just impossible. I mean, look around, look at the world. No one's communicating about anything in a very very well, manner. You know, thank God for music. You know, you, you all know music. I mean, mm -hmm. has, has anybody ever said I hate music? I'm here to play donuts. There's something for everybody. You know, you, you know. So Jesse, you grew up in a really unique household. So uh, take us to age 16, uh, to you know that young man. And was it a good or bad experience leaving that and going out to the world? Like, what? What was? You know, your experience wow. is different. So tell us about that. Yeah. Wow, I mean, did we ever really leave? You know, <laughs> did we ever really break out of our twelve-year-old selves? You know, I mean, are we just haunted by the sort of plagiarism of our youth? I mean, for me, that's I was marking upon this my brother just from the drive over here. You know, I mean, we we, we grow in our sense of prestige in our own eyes, perhaps, and we we accrue more material weight. You know, in gravity, we get money, we get jobs, and it's like, do we ever? Everyone's still just going to be devastated if, 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 if you know, a potential romantic interest doesn't give you the time of day, you know, and we're, still, we're, still, we're still open to that sort of dejection no matter how old we get. So I, I guess where I'm going with that is, yeah, I mean, and, and maybe you're right, you know, maybe because it was such an, I mean, it was an odd and sort of unique, I mean, saying odd, you said unique or different, but it was an odd way to grow up, I think. But, you know, everyone around us was, at the time, I mean, it was all, it was all sort of, Lots of people trying to really get off the grid. I mean, there were people out there with electricity, you know, just living, you know, talking and, and, and screwing by candlelight. You know, I mean, that, that's the community. So it didn't seem it didn't seem odd to us, but by today's standards, I mean, by God, it might have been 
not even raised on the on the planetoid Pluto. Plutoid, you know, we might have been raised <laughs> some sort. <laughs> but so yeah, leaving that behind, I mean I gotta be honest with you, the biggest shock and, and maybe you could relate to this because I mean y'all are aficionados and advocates for music, but I, I didn't I didn't really hear music until I left home. You know, I was sixteen and I was that was kind of when I first it was the most shocking thing, you know, it wasn't it wasn't talking to people and, and, and getting high for the first time or or, or tasting alcohol or, 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 or the writing of Nietzsche. I mean, it was, you know, that was all, I put that in stride. I feel like I was, I was given a certain amount of grace to take that in stride, but I was not ready for it. I mean, you know, getting, getting system of a down, I gotta go back to, I gotta go back to the, back to the script here. I gotta, there's a lot, there's a lot of ground that's being covered. There's a lot that I can do with this guitar and the piano. I can just, if I could just, just get it back down and kind of learn from all of this amazing music. So, that was the most shocking thing. And I, and, and, and I mean, you, you probably remember there wasn't algorithms back then. Mm-hmm. There wasn't computers telling us what we should listen to or what we like or what's desirable or what's trending or what's popular. Back then, you were on your own. And you know, yeah, it's you, like, how many $20 bills do I have to buy CDs with this week? Oh, yeah. one. I got one CD. And mm-hmm. if you're going through CD warehouse, you're like, well, this cover's kind of compelling. I mean, Maybe we'll start there. Mm-hmm. I mean, buying CDs blind. You remember what that was like? Oh, or, yeah, or, yeah. Or certainly later. And that, that's, again, I mean, vinyl is coming out ahead as, as, as time is telling. But, you know, vinyl, you know, you go into some of those little vinyl shops, you can, especially if it's used, you can put the vinyl on. You can hear a bit of the vinyl if you wanted to. But with CDs, a lot of the times you're like, all right. I mean, I only got 20 bucks. I really hope yeah. Mm-hmm. I really hope this is going to be a, a transformative experience. I mean, that's a great right, yeah. well, It's a gamble. You know, it's, I mean, yeah. unless it's, it's a gamble, unless you're just hoping to get something you can dance to by yourself in your living room, which mm-hmm. I still do. <laughs> yeah, we had we had friends who, a bunch of us, luckily, who would buy. If if my friend bought something, I could listen to that. If I bought. So yeah, borrowing uh yeah, he turned me on to a bunch of music. This was vinyl to cassette to C D, mm-hmm. all in the all in the eighties. And yeah. uh yeah, we, we were able to borrow a lot that way. Yeah, it's as young adults right, right. like you know, eighteen and so by hours. word of mm-hmm. but back then word of mouth. You oh, know, yeah. like you said, you can you can go on Facebook, Instagram and someone recommend like You can taste it. Thousands yeah. of now you can taste anything things yeah. every day, you mm-hmm. know. Go back on, then, go on. Yeah, you... anything, go on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell tell us a little. Hello, what's um... your name? Can I taste you? <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a also little. Record. Tasteable. Tasteable. <laughs> Taste me. That's your next album. Taste me. <laughs> so Jesse. Taste me, uh... <laughs> <laughs> my friend. <laughs> that's your next. Me. That's your next. Headbang, song. Headbang with me. Come on, come on. You just wrote a new song. <laughs> that was a uh, yeah. That was early nineties. So Jesse, um, music, put that on. Tell tell us a little bit. <laughs> tell us a little bit about the legend Morrissey. Yeah, you became his tour manager for yeah. five years. Yeah, is is we need to know is Morrissey a good dude? <laughs> is it cool? Whoa, well. Let me figure out if I'm even a good dude because the jury's still out. So, okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, he's one of those artists where, where when he when he talks, I don't really talk about it that much. But uh, uh, why do I not talk about it that much? I think because there's, you know, I certainly will engage with the with the topic. Uh, that's 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 for sure. If I ever pass on something, 
I'll, I'll just start talking about something else. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And we don't before. want you to judge. He's speaking in a different direction. We're not asking you to judge. No, no, we're, we're, we're just curious and, you know, looking yeah. looking for anything on Morrissey. Uh, we love the Smiths and, uh, you know, his right. first his first album, uh, is it Viva Hate? His first solo, I think. I loved it. I know mm-hmm. it well. So that's why we're asking. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I think I don't talk about it because it just doesn't come up because, I mean, we're, we're living in a time when people don't even really know who David Bowie is. And I was on the dates yeah. once upon a time, and the girl yeah. never heard David Bowie. Wow. So <laughs> I think that's why I don't really, it's definitely come up. And then also, there was a level of propriety, and certain parts of the experience belonged to me just uh, because of how, how informative and educational it was for me. I mean, that's, that's where I really got to learn everything. You know, and it was also very tough. You know, I thought I was going to get fired every day for the first year. <laughs> I ended up staying for about five years. And it was very challenging in all of the ways that people might imagine. It's kind of the old guard of, of, of rock stars and pop stars and just, just artists, you know. So it was kind of interesting. And I, I was coming pretty blind to this job. I was, I was there kind of just helping out a friend who the guy that preceded me had washed out by putting the band on the wrong train in Spain. Oh, wow. I don't know if it was raining or not. Oh. Yeah. But, but so he got fired sort of unceremoniously. And I got, I, I was out here in Nashville for, uh, it was John Fine's manager, uh, Alvin He had just passed away. And uh, my mother had just passed away a mere three months prior. And he was really instrumental to me as a mentor, but also in the past of my mother. I sort of came up here on a whim. Sort of it was my it was my mother's last behest to me while she was conscious was just go up to Nashville. You should, you should. Mm-hmm. Because she she passed away in Florida. It was it was within striking distance. So even though it was on her deathbed, I just sort of, you know, it was no one knew how long she was gonna be around. No one no one really knew what to do with their hands when they weren't in there sort of attending her. We're all just sort of staring there and drawing bottles of wine, you know. So I got in the car and whipped up here and as far as living here, and Alan's wife, Dawn, were instrumental in sort of passing along this sort of bright ritual that they had sort of, they had sort of this amalgam of sort of Eastern and spiritual, but also down home because they lost their son, mm-hmm. being very young. And they sort of had this very beautiful ritual they enacted. And so you don't even, until you've lost somebody, you don't know what it's going to be like. Strangers mm-hmm. walking in with surgical drugs and, you know, foreigners and what happens to mm-hmm. all the medications, yeah. you know. You don't know what what's going to happen, and so they they through mentorship back, and they they were so good at just to impart that to me. And so I took that back down. My mom passed while I was here, and so I drove back down as soon as I heard. And I said, "Hey, I just was up there with Al, and he told this, and I, I just sort of I just sort of passed along with my family. We enacted it. We did it, and it ended up being beautiful. It wasn't this this terrible thing with strangers or this hostile environment. It was just." home environment we all just stood around her body mm-hmm. my sisters and i prepared the body it was beautiful and very primal visceral thing beautiful where it could have been horrible and since then we've really learned a lot about grieving and, and, and dying mm-hmm. and the, whole, the whole death the whole death you know conspiracy and the whole death is true and anyway so al had just died i came out here at his request and his last request was that i come and i could one of his memorial so i played the song Morrissey's then tour manager was there, who was a guy that I had known. He helped me get kind of get gigs early on, my brother and I, throughout the Southeast, including Nashville. You know, because we were just fussed back then. We didn't really know how to get gigs. So he said to me, Hey, do you want to fly out to Sydney, Australia? You know, 
for a couple of shows at Morrissey, you know, the guy would just need somebody with a pulse to come in and just help bring the band and help with costume change and that sort of thing, you know, or, or preparing wardrobe, you know. And so I, I was like, well, I guess so I went out and, you know, night, night one, you know, first of all, Morrissey is an artist too. As soon as they would hear that there's any sort of peripheral orbit to this person or this entity or this art, people want to know about him. He's one of those artists. You know, mm-hmm. if I said, "Oh, I worked with, I worked with, uh, I, I worked with No Doubt," you know, people don't care about No Doubt stories. Oh, No <laughs> Doubt, what was it like? Yeah. like? Oh, that's cool. No Doubt stories. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. When, yeah. When, when, think when, I heard of them. Cool. But more so, like, well, it's like go on, talk about that. So, it, you know, <laughs> night one, a stage invader jumped off of the the box there. The box there at the Sydney Opera House broke his leg on a case on the way down just to try to run up and hug Morrissey. So it was five years of that sort of thing. Wow. Broke his leg and, and everything. You know, crazy <laughs> errands on Sundays, American countries, you know, looking for all manner of, of requests and, and dealing with a lot of big personalities. And to answer to your question, yeah, I, you know, he, you know, Morrissey is a consummate artist. And, you know, just by being around, just by being permitted to be in that camp, you know, it was like a master class in writing songs of a certain view, you know, things that are going to be different but are going to be accepted where it's not so obscure that people can't understand, but it's also challenging the listener, but something about it works. The permission to kind of talk about dark that maybe people don't want to talk about. Playing with words. They're always playing with words. They're, they're funny. They're not afraid to get political or not, not afraid to attack people. Uh, and also, the, the biggest takeaway for me was getting to see that these people live the lifestyle of being artists. It wasn't just mm-hmm. about, because I think a lot of people, oh, I'm an artist when I write this song. The song is my art. You know, seeing more Steve Action in the band, because my first gig was just like wrangling, like steaming their wardrobe. I still got a star in the tonight show, or steelhead steamers backstage, you know, when I was young and green. But it's the perfect circle, you know. I just say it's my tattoo, you know, for my love for uh, for tool and for perfect circle. But in, in truth, it's a steamer burn from when I when I was working uh, on the Morrissey tour. But I got to see that, you know, really artistry is the whole life, the whole life, and 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 it's not just the song. The song is just sort of one outcropping. It's sort of one venture, but it's, you know, it's like the way you compose yourself, the way that you speak, the food that you eat, the things that you drink, the way that you walk. It's all that is the art. That is where you the artist. The songwriting part. If you think about it, is the easy part because we've we've done it so much. We, mm-hmm. we, even if it's no good, I mean, you've been doing it for twenty years. I mean, <laughs> right on, you know. Mm-hmm. But learning how to have how to find good music. I mean, they those guys love amazing music. They put me under to everything from Charles Aznavour to Echo Belly. I mean, they 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 cover a wide swath of different really amazing music. And uh, yeah, I mean, he was always very kind to me. It, it wasn't like a direct mentorship thing. I, I was very much. I'm, Hold on one second. Our, inter, our yeah, internet. You're breaking is, up. You're breaking up. You know, I don't, oh, it was, there, it was all above board. There was, there, was, there was never anything. It was all, it was all in good fun. It was all mm-hmm. in good fun. But yeah, they, they were, they were, they were kind for me. They were very funny. They, it took a long time to sort of out my place there and to kind of get. Get you know familiarized myself enough with them where they they, they felt like you know I, I wasn't you know where I was I guess part of the part of the, the crew, but uh, yeah. And I think I think from what you're saying, you know, so you grew up in a different my tattoo right there. Yeah. Oh, what do we got there? <laughs> now my heart is full. You know. Yeah. It's, more, it's a it's weird. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not one of these sentimental guys with tattoos, but I guess in this one case, it made me 
stuff there. <laughs> Good song. So let, let's get to the new album here. I honestly had never heard of you before until this past week. Jesse, Jesse, and Jesse. from the first song, I I love I loved your voice. I I just this album I've listened to at least three times, mm-hmm. I think. And thank you. This is your second album this year. I have the feeling that were these songs written along with the first album. I just saw a video of you doing uh, one of the songs, Whatever Happened to, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned COVID. And maybe let's talk about that song. Well, yeah, uh, Um, I think think Rob has an answer. I think you're asking a question in the song and you've got answers, right? Yeah, Whatever Happened to, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that song? I just love that song. Oh, well, thanks for taking the time to listen. And, uh, you know, a lot of, yeah, I mean, you know, people, we consume so much music and people really understand, even if, you know, there's this adage now that, oh, anyone can make a record on their laptop and their mm-hmm. apartment, which is true, but it still takes so much energy and emotional effort and commitment to make any sort of record and put it out there. This is three years in the running. Okay. I'm not unique in that I've worked very hard on it. And it's been a, it's a, ma- it's been a massive to to put this thing out. I never would have put it out except for people around me were able to sort of carry me across the finish line. You know, I just mm-hmm. it, I, I I knew in my heart of hearts that that record was going to sit on my hard drive until I died. I was mm-hmm. convinced of that. And then some people came along. Denny over at Cavity First Records, who was, who was one of the guys that gave Elliot Smith his heart there in Portland. And mm-hmm. uh, Jim Flammy here in Nashville, who was Lucinda Williams, uh, Jason Isbell's publicist, which is how I got to know him. They kind of took in the cause, and so that's why it's here. And for whatever reason, that song, whatever happened, you know, people seem to like that song, even though I listen to it now, and I'm like, I feel like I'm feel like. So one one time I went on a jog, and I was kind of waking up in the morning, trying to find my jogging shorts, and I reached my door, and I had gotten about half a mile, and I realized I was jogging in my underwear. I put on my <laughs> underwear, or you know, I just I, I just I just lapped it out. But I mean, I feel like I've just jogged out the house completely naked. I'm like, I'm looking around and people are like, and I feel it's kind of exposed, cool. you know, I was like, yeah. wow, people have heard that song and I'm talking to them without, with, with just a little bit of embarrassment. I mean, that song is so weird. You know, all these songs are so strange and people are hearing it as of yesterday. And I'm like, are mm-hmm. people giving me a wider than normal burst? You know, like, <laughs> well, but, Allison, you know, that, people you know, seem I, to like you that song. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a, incredible album i listen to a lot of music and not many i can't remember the last time i listened to an album like three times and still 
loved it listening to it the third right, time. Right, but I want to talk about Allison. That's great. So, so Alice, Allison is out there, and, and he dated Allison. Not your Allison. No, no. Well, I in don't the know. Song. You don't know. You don't know. But she had a cat, right? Well, in the song. I don't yeah. know if it's right. true. <laughs> Eddie, right? Right. Whatever happened to Pinkhead Allison? A casualty casually occupying her fifth floor inside apartment Accompanied only by Eddie the tabby cat She was lonely long before loneliness became the fad And what about Ashton down in Yeah, yeah, but we we have Eddie though. We we, we have to tell my, you, my cat Eddie. Take is... a look. Can you see it? Oh, go up there. A little glare. Incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. There it is. <laughs> yeah, his name is Eddie. Yeah, he's a tabby. Yeah. Well, yeah. A, fa- a, a fan sent me a painting. You know, without any, I just re- I got home from from tour and there was a package. I opened it. It's a painting of a cat, and all it says is. This is Addie the Tabby Cat. And so they sent me a painting of a cat. Oh, and uh, so, I, for whatever reason, people gravitate towards that song, mm-hmm. even though it's kind of a it's kind of a it's kind of a broken mantra. You know, it's kind of this. It, you know, it, it's so unresolved. But you know, it's we've all been through COVID, which is we can all sort of have common ground about which right. to speak. I mean, that's kind of a special thing. I mean, it, it's a tragedy. But, you know, we've all gone through this thing. So we all kind of remember the the, the art, the story art and the feeling art. Yeah. So it, it wasn't a COVID record in that, you know, it wasn't kind of I was at home, I had all this material, I was talking about being locked in my house. The COVID record, it was in that kind of weird time between when people were doing that and when things had reopened. So it was in that kind of law. It was in that sort of general sense malaise. It was in that season of ennui, you know. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what comes through on the record. It's a, it's a, but, but then... You know that lyrically and sort of tonally, but then you listen to the aggressive tempos, the aggressive tones, and when Joe Ciccarelli, who is another mm-hmm. guy I met through the Morrissey yep. band, but he's done like the Strokes and the Finns and the White oh, Stripes, amazing, stuff. amazing yeah. artist. I mean, he's the guy that made it sound that way. But if you heard the Born mm-hmm. Mix, none of us would have ever listened to it again. We would have been like, "This is okay, I guess." But wow. he just charged. He, he called me and he said, "He's like, I really love this record. I'll do it just kind of as a favor." and uh, it, I think I'll put drama into it, and I was like, "Okay, it's about as dramatic as I can get." <laughs> yeah. But when he sent it back, I was floored. I wow. went over, I listened to it on Lucinda Williams. Lucinda Williams is a neighbor; she lives in the, in the neighborhood here, and she has one of those Macintosh Ferrari style i five system. Her husband Tom was like, uh, he's her manager and uh, also a friend. He's, he's a, he was, you guys would love him. He's such a music guy. <laughs> but he, he, was, he was like the, the buyer for Best Buy, like back when Best Buy was like top uh-huh. of the top. So he, they had like this pillar system. When I got the mix back, back from Joe, I went to her house and I put it on and the thing just screamed out of the wall. And I was just like, <laughs> so that with this sort of sense of, this almost sort of lackadaisical sort of low energy sort of breast lyrical tone and character. But, and then this just, Full speed gallop charge of sonically. I, I think I listen to it now too because I'm not time has gone by where I can listen to it sort of fresh. 
And I'll be like, what is going on here? You know, it's like so dissonant. And there are moments of melodic breakthrough. The harmony is prevalent. Everything else is just screaming and wailing and can't seem to make up its mind what it's going to do. And then it's over. Then you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a friend message me on Instagram. She's uh, she, she just flew over from Rome and is back in Florida. And she said I had to listen to it. As soon as I finished, I had to turn it over. And I was like, oh, really? That's a good sign. So like, not even necessarily because I loved it. I don't know if I love it yet, but because I had to figure out what the <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And as we listen to it, I'm wondering if you play all the instruments, or or you know, you I haven't I had enough time to investigate this, and so wondering what instruments you play uh, on your latest album. Yeah, I do play all the instruments. My my uh, friend Katie came into the. Uh, I normally I do all the drums and percussion. In this case, my friend Katie Heron, uh, he's a, a badass drummer. She, I'm also the godfather to her son, mm-hmm. but she she drums for like mainly jazz or mainly metal. Like so, that's kind of her. She doesn't really do anything in between. So that's so she added the drums, and then my my friend and sort of soul collaborator partner Lauren Fair, who is now I guess in Peru taking photos of indigenous tribes. She sings all the harmony and she sings on every floor I do an voice that yeah. She uh that and the, and the two of them really give it the character. You know and it's not something you can ever hire somebody to do. It's something that only only friends and people who have really plugged some time and some life together can kind of yeah. get on that train. So thank 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 God, you know, thank Jesus God all of Buddha whoever for bringing them into my life and for allowing them to to stick by me long enough to, to you know climb this particular mountain with me. So I'm very I'm very proud of them and, and their work on that record. Yeah, yeah, I can now, hear that. You can really hear that. Now, is there is there a tour planned? I saw you're playing at Floyd Fest, which I always wanted to go to. Yeah. And will you have a band with you, or are you just playing solo? Yeah, y'all are welcome with us anytime. And yeah, kind of any any gig will do at the moment. I mean, we're yeah, people are. Myself and others are looking to get any sort of gig we can for the fall, and want to just keep the momentum going. You know, uh, everyone's worked hard to get the record out, and now you know want to keep that going with some live dates. So, yeah, mm-hmm. currently yeah. looking around and got some lines in the water, and I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think fall. Look at fall. Okay. I wish we had more time, but we're going to have to uh, move on yeah. soon. Yeah, I wish we had twice as much time, but uh, you I just, look like you're having a good time. It's a pleasure chatting with y'all. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, yes. Jesse. Yes. Enjoy your thank enjoy you. the sun. And I got one more comment. Uh, thank you so much. I know you grew up around Native people, uh, Native American people, and uh, Lauren's doing that work. Uh, I just really uh, I commend that, and uh, it's a great thing. So thank you. The first artist I ever really got to know was an artist named Carlos, who was a classmate of mine, who was a Native artist, and uh, that was also formative. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that yeah. shout. Yeah. Guys, man, thank you. Thank right. you. Have, Have a great day. All right, peace. Yeah, sketch you around. Yeah. I've been waiting for your call and now it's already December
You've been listening to No Good Music. Today's interview was produced and edited by Rob J. Lilly and recorded via Zoom at the Did You Say? Seven studios in Washington, New Jersey. You can find No Good Music on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, and almost anywhere you listen to podcasts. The song's Backyard Party, MBA, Drop Dead and Die, Whatever Happened to, and Missed Call from Evangeline. Used with permission from Jesse Daniel Edwards. Mm-hmm.